standing up in McKinney. This is According to Kellis. Episode 565 coming to you on Monday, the 15th of January, the year of our Lord, 2024. And we're going to do uh, thoughts on the debate day two or part, or I guess technically part one, day one. Nevertheless, we're going to do last Monday's debates today. I had uh, did my recap, if you will, uh, last week on the second day that I was actually present for. I now watch the appropriate uh, video. Got to say some of the audio was kind of tough to hear, just it was so quiet, but it might have just been my system. And before we get there, let me remind you, the biggest thing you can do for me, the biggest thing you can do to assist in our ascent is to like, share, and subscribe to this program. Follow on your podcatcher of choice. Join us on the social media. I've got a page and a group over at Facebook. I drop in at MeWe and Gab. And believe it or not, YouTube still has most of my content up. And I'd love for you to give me a join there. Hey, everybody, every little bit helps. Everybody that joins in matters. Let's continue to do that. And one last thing, if you're feeling particularly motivated, do me a solid, go rate and or review this program at your favorite site. Here we go on with the show. So last Monday, that would be the eighth and then Tuesday, the ninth, we had a series of debates for our local candidates. Uh, Some statewide offices actually as well, or not statewide, but state level offices as well. And we gave them an opportunity to not only get questions from us, the moderators, but questions from each other as well as the audience. Now, I've always said, and I stand by this, anybody that's willing to run for office, you have to give them a certain amount of respect, a certain amount of credibility in so far as respect in the way you interact with them especially if they're an incumbent, because you can trash talk an incumbent all day long, but the fact of the matter is they're still the incumbent. Well, that makes it very challenging if you're an ideologue or you feel very strongly about a couple of issues and you can't see past that, particularly when that candidate or that elected official doesn't share those same concerns or they have a different view of those same concerns. So, You have to be willing sometimes to take a step back and be more objective. So I try and do that, particularly when I take on the moderator role. Now, I want to thank Jim Pickle and Derek Baker, who filled in to assist on Monday. Now, truth be told, um, Jim Pickle was planned to do Monday night, and I was going to be present, and then I would do Tuesday night, and he would be present as backup. Uh, I had, as I said, an unscheduled surgery which took me out of the uh, loop. I wasn't able to be there. I did drag myself there on Tuesday. In my absence, they had an interview with Darren Mice, who's running for HD 67 against Mr. Leach. Uh, I would encourage you go listen to the interview. It is available streaming on KD Sims, Kyle KD Sims on the Facebook. Um, I've listened to Darren multiple times. I, I didn't feel the need to recap what he had to say for this specific instance because I don't think there was anything new for me personally, but I would encourage you to go invest your 15 or 20 minutes and and watch and listen and see if there was enough there to convince you that he's the right guy going forward. And if I was in his district, I know what I would be doing. 
Secondarily, uh, Daryl Hale, who is uh, my <laughs> commissioner, right? My my county commissioner. He picked up a candidate to run against him, and then that said candidate apparently dropped out since December twenty third and January the eighth. Um, I've heard varying reasons why that might be. I wish him well. Uh, and again, Daryl gave a brief interview, essentially um, a good 15 minutes. It was at the opening of the constable's race. Again, well worth your time. If you don't know Daryl, if you haven't been around and you haven't heard him talk before, go check it out. I didn't hear about half of it um, because I was fast forwarding, quite honestly. I wanted to get to debates where there was new things being said and challenges being laid down. And for the record, I had already endorsed Daryl, and that is why I abdicated my role as being moderator that night. And the other race where I have a strong opinion would be the State Board of Education. My my buddy Chad Green is running. So while I would have no problem being objective, I'm not sure that the other candidates would have been willing to accept me as the moderator. So that, that was the reason why they were both scheduled that night. Uh, and to a lesser extent, uh, Darren, because I wasn't sure if Mr. Leach was going to show up or not. We did try and reach out to him and schedule something, but he's a busy guy. He's an incumbent. He had other things going on. Uh, no harm, no harm, no foul. All right. So let's, let's start from the beginning. I've already touched on Darren and Daryl. Um, essentially Daryl has no challenger now. And Darren has the uphill battle against Jeff Leach. If you are so inclined to retire Jeff Leach, he could use your help, reach out to him, listen to his interview, uh, give the guy a chance. That being said, we're now going to go ahead and pivot to the constable's race. This is where things get kind of interesting. So there were a number number of endorsements that came out early for Mr. Steve Asher. A couple of them um, piqued my curiosity. So I called one of them and I said, "Um, this is not usually the way you do things, um, care to explain to me why you think he's a great candidate. We had a nice conversation, uh, very, very good logical argument as to why. Um, and I'll leave it at that. Listening to both of you gentlemen speak, it sounds if it came off, if, uh, they both had equal basic experience as being a constable. They both had a very good and broad understanding of what needs to be done as the constable. They both have a variety of experiences that would support being the constable. They both spoke clearly and were fairly effective when communicating. And again, much like last week, I'm trying to focus on their presentation and what they did, uh, less so than what their argument was or whether or not they have a specific issue that was at odds. Now, most of the time in these races, particularly when they're courting what would be considered the right wing of the Republican Party, the grassroots of the Republican Party, everybody's an uber conservative. I don't think I heard anything to indicate that either one of these guys would be quote unquote uber conservative. I think they're both solid law enforcement kind of guys. I think uh, one's a little bit more politically active than the other. I think that's a fair comment, but I think the capabilities and the confidence both expressed came across if you watched that interview. What I would say to you for me personally, I didn't walk away with a strong 
opinion one way or the other. I, I, I am leaning one way, but that's not the subject of this conversation. What I would say to you is if you don't know, if you're not sure, this may help you. There were a couple of questions where they had slightly different answers. So again, it, it may, it may push you one way or the other. You should check it out. Um, it's again, worth your effort and both came across well, in my opinion. All right. Now we're going to spend the bulk of our time on the state board of education. And I, and I wanted to do a little sideline here because I feel it's helpful. One of the things that the incumbent mentioned is there's very little statutory power or authority that the state board of education has or wields at the state level, namely that they dictate the curriculum and what must be in the curriculum and the books, if you will, the textbooks. And it appears, maybe I misunderstood, but it appears there's not a lot else that can or should be done. Now, I don't know that to be the case, but that was the argument being made. In other words, don't expect too much out of the State Board of Education because there's really not much we can do. Well, from my understanding is the authority being granted to the State Board of Education is expanding courtesy of the Texas State Legislature. So that could get interesting. Um, Secondarily, as a member of the State Board of Education, you have a responsibility and a duty to utilize the bully pulpit such as it is. The uh, State Board of Education has a limited number of people. They cover multiple counties. It is a basically a statewide authority. There is a lot going on here. And even if you don't necessarily have statutory authority over a lot of things, as a State Board of Education member and your influence and your interaction and your authority is your presence, is your interactions, particularly with the local school districts that you represent. And while I found it interesting that there was a certain amount of dismissiveness, like, well, there's only so many things we can do. And while you don't understand because we were actually doing this, this, and this, at the end of the day, there are what is specific things or powers that you have granted to you that you must use fully. And then there are uh, secondary or influential powers that that's where it really comes to play. Now I've heard of, and to a degree seen evidence of manipulation or influence peddling uh, in the local elections by the incumbent. I can't verify that. I'm not making that accusation. I I have heard of it. Again, I don't necessarily see that as an absolute negative. I would expect that a county commissioner or a county judge would be very interested in who the next city council member is, who the next mayor is, who the next fire chief is, particularly if they live in that district or that city. That being said, the reverse is also true. I would imagine that the council members or the mayors do have an interest in who the next commissioner is or who the next county judge is and vice versa. Likewise, I would think we would all have a vested interest in who our next uh, state representative or state senator is. Now, you may not want to go all in on that because there is some political fallout if your person doesn't win, but you certainly want to 
make it clear where your loyalties lie, I would imagine. You certainly want to, you know, have a good working relationship, win, lose, or draw, right? Just because you chose candidate A, you probably don't want to go all in and beating up on candidate B on the possibility that candidate B becomes the next whatever, and you got to deal with that person. And if you've already poisoned the well there, there's nothing there. So therein lies the challenge, right? So if you're in a school district and you're trying to get certain things done, you have to have a working relationship with the other elected officials, whether it's the city that the school district's in, whether it is the house reps or the state senators, or if you will, the state board of education. And you would think that the state board of education and the members of the school boards at the very least would be on the same page. Maybe, maybe not the same paragraph, but at least the same page. We want these things. We want to see this thing done. You know, to me, that's what my expectation is. And that's where the bully pulpit comes in. The lobbying comes in, right? We want those things to happen. Now, yes, some of it can get dirty. Some of it can get messy. There, there are consequences there, which is quite frankly, why a lot of people choose to say, yeah, I'm not going to get involved in this specific race. There's no win here. If I stick my nose in this and I got to get, I got to be honest. It's hard to fault them for that because I've seen it go <laughs> messy. One last aside, if you will, on this, one of the repeat issues is school choice. Now, I think school choice is important, but I think it's a whole lot more nuanced involved than what could ever be tackled in um, a 30 second response in a question or a minute and a half response in a question. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to follow up on Wednesday's program and I'm going to spend a little time going into some of the different facets and angles that need to be dealt with if you're going to go into the school choice realm. So we're going to set that all aside because honestly, they all pretty much say the same thing. So as we're going to talk about the State Board of Education, when they're given questions that are from either the crowd or from the moderator, they all pretty much give the same answer. Although one one thing was is that one of them did indicate that they felt that the governor acted within his constitutional authority during COVID. That did give me pause, but uh, it could be interpreted more than one way. And again, less about what they said or what their policy issue was and more about just how they presented themselves and the conversation that took place and the lever of comfort in stating their position. So I'll, I'll be honest. I think all three candidates did an adequate job of communicating and putting across their arguments. If I was going to, if I was going to be negative, I would say, Pam felt the need, Pam Little felt the need as the incumbent to push back a little bit and it might have come across in her voice. I don't fault her for that, especially if she's being called out on stuff that she legitimately thinks that she did or didn't do. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have a, I'm going to have edge on my voice when I'm calling that out too. I mean, you basically just said I'm lying or you just basically called me out on something and I'm going to push back. I'm going to make sure that no, this is how it actually is. But what I don't understand is if they have presented something to where this says you did X or this says you did Y and your response is, well, no, that's not what happened, but there's a document that says that it did. One of them's not right. 
So I, at that point, it's you have to take some time and maybe explain it. And I believe she did in one occasion of the, one of those um, questions they asked. And I actually prefer that the candidates ask the gotcha questions. That's never been my opinion. It's my job as a moderator to play gotcha. My job is to make the candidates look as good as they can by asking fair, even-handed questions. But on the flip side, if the candidate falls, that's on them. So, honestly, there are reasons why you would want to pick one of the uh, challengers, and it's it's not it's not for any reason that there are three people running against this person sitting at the state board of education. I don't know what all those details are. I don't know what all the information is that's readily available. But it's odd. It's odd. I would imagine that most of the time, a lot of these incumbent races, they may pick up one candidate going after them, but to have three, unless there's a concerted effort to remove somebody, you don't generally see that. So that's kind of curious. And it lends the question as to why, what happened here, what's going on. And if, if there's that much interest in it, then there might, there might be a there there. So again, I encourage you, use your own investigative skills, use your own judgment, do your own reading, do your own research, and don't really have much more to say about this. In fact, I'm probably going to end up cutting the show short because honestly, the two of the debates ended up being brief interviews. Again, well worth your time. Uh, a special shout out to Kyle KD Sims over there on Facebook who uh, live streamed them. And that was uh, Monday the 8th. You go check those out, get your own opinions, your own thoughts on what transpired there. It's worth your time. On the debates themselves, again, when you're running with Republicans in a Republican primary, there's very often very little different between them. They're all catering to the same crowd, essentially. It's unusual that you don't find somebody skilled enough to tweak their answers to make sure they give an answer that they think you want to hear. Whether they mean it or not, it's not really relevant. It's about winning the race. And if you think that's a bit cynical, maybe, maybe. So again, uh, the other the other thing I wanted to point out on this is special thanks for uh, Mike Giles and having my back and uh, setting these up. There was two nights. It was uh, I would think a lot of fun. I only got to be there for one. Uh, we overperformed in that there was well over a hundred people both nights. The room was only typically, or I'm sorry, technically available for a hundred seats. That is a good problem. Uh, I want to also thank Red Wave Texas for their assistance and uh, donation and helping us offset the cost of this. I, I was very happy about it. And it is still my intention to go through and break down the audio into the individual segments and put those up for you to listen to, and I will label them accordingly. They will be available both on my social media and my your podcast uh, links. It, it is imperative to know about the candidates, to know what they think, to know what they say, and make sure you're comfortable and you're happy with that candidate before you vote for them. Because unfortunately, the party labels don't mean what they used to, and honestly always farming out your um, understanding of things to other people does not always lead to good results. And with that, 
again, we're going to cut it just a hair short, <laughs> probably about two thirds of the normal time here. But again, take your time, investigate, listen to the individual uh, interviews or the uh, debates themselves, make your own decision. And uh, we'll return tomorrow with a little Texas Tuesday. And until then, I will see you on the other side.